I pray that our hearts are ready to receive the word uh, because we are looking at who we need to be. We're looking at, I can't say we're looking in the mirror because I pray that this reflects my heart, but if I'm honest, I know that there are times it does not. Because um, I'm like you, I'm an imperfect follower of Jesus Christ, and yet when we look at God's word, we see what he wants his church to be, right? This is the bride of Jesus Christ. It's not my idea, it's not your idea. Um, it's not, you know, the pastor's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. He's the one who saved us. He's the one that bought us and redeemed us and brought us into the tribe, into the family. And, and now, uh, because he is worthy, because he is the one that, whose name is above every name, he says, by my authority, now go and make disciples. It is fitting that we start our series on worship, or started our series on worship last week, because that's who we were made to be, to know and enjoy and love and glorify God forever. And yet God created Adam and Eve with a mission, with a purpose, right? To cultivate the garden, to care for the animals, to care for creation, to procreate and make disciples, and, and fill the earth with, with missional worshipers who glorify God in all things. And we know because of the fall, because of sin, we needed Jesus to come to save us from that and redeem us for the purpose that God made us for. But because I have a beautiful relationship with Jesus and because I can enjoy him and savor him as, as I mean, he's my heart's devotion, then that means I now have an obligation, a joy and a responsibility to go and make him famous among the nations. So worship, proper worship, Heartfelt, loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength leads to evangelism. It leads to us making much of Jesus out in the community to the lost. People who don't know how great our God is, we must tell them. We can't be silent. John Piper says, missions ex exist where worship does not. Because we want the whole world to worship Jesus. We were talking about Argentina earlier and Venezuela and, and China. We want Jesus to be famous all throughout the earth because he is the worthy one. He is overall. So many, I was going to say some people, many people do not know that. So evangelism is a function of a healthy church. Because we savor Jesus, we know people need to hear that. We have a simple mission. We fully devote ourselves to Jesus Christ. And we make followers of him. This goes all the way back. It's either you can turn to Mark chapter 1 or Matthew 4. I'll give you the option. Go to Matthew 4, 19 or Mark chapter 1. I believe it's uh, verse 16. The same command is written there. This is our identity. When Jesus first called his disciples, this is what he said to them. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Not, I'm going to make your life whole and complete and perfect. And, and I, oh, you guys, you're just going to have a great, uh, loving church family where they just take you in. And all those, all those things are, are absolutely true. From the beginning, Jesus told his followers, to follow me is to make disciples. There, there's really no such thing as a devoted follower of Jesus who just doesn't care about evangelism. God help us when our when our attitudes get complacent to evangelism, but but every devoted follower of Jesus knows that evangelism is part of our identity. I mean, we live right by the water here. 
And I don't know if you've gone down to the to Sarasota Marina yet. If you haven't yet, it's a beautiful walk. Go on down there, and you'll see. Actually, it was uh, one of the pictures uh, on the on the PowerPoint slides. Was taken of the boats out on the bay. Can you imagine a fisherman? And he's got just this this beautiful vessel. He's got all his fishing poles. He's got his bait and his tackle. Everything's in his box, ready to go. And uh, and he's polishing that vessel. That baby's good to go. The engine is brand new. And, and at any point, he can go out and he can go fishing. He can enjoy the whole reason that he invested the money in all those things. But he never goes out. He just sits there. Polishing the boat. Checking, checking to make sure the lines are good. Checking his bait tackle box. Maybe he'll go to the store and get more bait. But he never actually goes fishing. What a waste. What a, he's literally supposed to go out and catch something. Otherwise, you don't call yourself a fisherman. And the disciples understood this. They were willing to leave their nets to follow Jesus, and now they're no longer defined by an occupation or by their culture or where they live. They're defined by their relationship to Jesus and how they relate to others. Because my life has changed, I must share the good news with others. So our main point this morning is we see what is a healthy church? A healthy church is a rescue boat bringing our community to Jesus. And so when we say we're launching out in September, that's a, that's a nautical term right there. We're, we're launching the boat. Why are we launching a boat? To rescue people for Jesus. There's a sea of lostness around us. And we can never say, oh, there's enough churches because there's a church a couple miles down the road or... You know, I guess there's a church around the corner here, and there are 700,000, by our best estimates, 700,000 lost people in our metro population area. Even if every church grew to 5,000 people, it's a drop in the bucket of what we're talking about here. We need churches with a heart for evangelism to reach the lost. That's why we're launching this church where we are. And there's a few reasons for that. First of all, you'll see the urgent need for the gospel. The nations need the gospel. Jesus told us to go and proclaim the gospel through all creation. Did he not? He told us to go make disciples of all nations. All nations. There's over 7 billion people in this world. So statistically, about 6 billion or over 6 billion of them do not know Jesus as their Savior. And the billion that, that we say statistically, those are just people that claim to be followers of Jesus. We don't know their heart, but in that billion, I guarantee you there's a significant number that are cultural Christians, or maybe their parents were Christians, so they call themselves Christians. But, but where are the devoted followers of Jesus who are going to reach the six billion? Do you know of that six billion, 2.5 billion have never even heard the good news once. Not once. And you might say, well, that doesn't happen in Florida. The people of Florida, they, they heard it through the grapevine somewhere. No, you cannot assume that. We were over visiting our Sunday church in Winter Haven, and we were eating dinner at a restaurant, and the church was really nice. They gave us a gift card to a local restaurant, so we were trying it out, and, and it was right by the water. So you see the boats out there, and, and the fisherman mentality is right in our heads. And so we talked to our waitress. She's from Chicago. And I asked her if she's ever heard about God's love for her and what he's done to show her his love. No, I've never had anyone tell me that before. Yeah, I, mean, I should have been surprised because I asked the question. But in my mind, okay, 
And she stood there for two minutes, and we were able to share the gospel in a brigade format. Didn't want to keep her from all our customers, but this is the first time she's heard the gospel. I said, you, you need to read the Bible for yourself. It's such good news. And, and here's a church down the road. They will help point you to Jesus. I can point you to a rescue boat. Okay? We're not going to be here long. we got to leave tomorrow. But go over there. There's a rescue boat. The nations need the gospel. Our neighbors need the gospel. Florida is growing at almost 1,000 people per day moving down here. North Sarasota is the heart of Bradenton and Sarasota. I already mentioned the number of souls here that don't know Jesus. And let's be clear about something. To not know Jesus means if you die in your sins, you will spend eternity, eternity, forever apart from the loving presence of God, under judgment, forever. There's no end to punishment. There's no end to judgment. Because they rejected the king above all kings. And our neighbors are hungry for this. I was just at a restaurant we mentioned earlier about where we're meeting for, for our prayer group. I was spoke, speaking to a teenager, taking my, my order at lunch. I think of you, Alexis. Oh Lord, let, let us connect with this girl. She, I asked her if there's anything we could pray for her about, and she said, "There's two things. I, I need to find a purpose and direction for my life. You could pray for that." And then, so then I felt led to come back, kind of once the light had died down a little bit, and I gave her a flyer to the church, and I talked for a little bit, and 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 I'm basically I'm laying out a gospel invite there, and we will help you find that purpose and direction. And and she says, "Oh, I forgot. I, I also would like prayer for inner peace." like this has been on her mind and she just thought of it and I know exactly what she's talking about because purpose and inner peace all of that finds its culmination in Jesus so pray for our neighbors look for our neighbors the time is now to reach our neighbors and Romans 10 14 couldn't be clearer how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed how are they to believe in him and of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now that someone isn't referring to me. I'm preaching this morning. But we all preach all week long with how we live our lives. We'll talk more about that in point number two. How God shares the gospel through relationships. The Living Hope Church, God has laid a burden on our hearts to reach this community for Christ through a new church. New churches reach more people for Christ. Established churches tend to get comfortable, start to get inward focused. The healthy church keeps that evangelistic spirit alive. This is our calling. We are fishers of men. We are missional worshipers. In churches, we got to wake up. I think I mentioned it before, but in, in recent surveys of Southern Baptist churches, of which we fellowship with for the, for the sake of the gospel, only 6 to 7% of those churches could confidently say, oh yeah, we grow through evangelism. We grow through reaching new people for Christ. So what does that mean? We're sheep swapping. That's how churches are growing. Sheep swapping. We're called a sheep swap. We're called to go make disciples. To go to the nations. J.B. Greer says that the church can be one of Two things, if we're talking a boat analogy here. We could be a cruise liner where once we get enough people, we get enough money, we get enough programs, now we can kind of take it comfortable. 
build up a nice little niche for ourselves in the community and a reputation and, and we have all these fellowships and programs to minister to ourselves. Or we can view our church as an aircraft carrier. We're, we're going out on a mission. We're looking to help. And we deploy our people every week. We come in worship and we go out and we deploy for the sake of the gospel. So what would you rather be? A cruise liner? They're just comfortable. They got to get the face. That's all I hear. We want to be an aircraft carrier to reach souls for Jesus Christ. So we follow Jesus. And with our lives, we proclaim who he is. Now here's the second point. We look at God's means of sharing the gospel. This is why evangelism comes so close to the church. Because we serve a God who is relational. He came near. He didn't stay up there and shout down instructions to us. He came down in human flesh to live among the people. To show them the life that pleases God. That keeps his law. To love us. To heal us. To help us. To restore lives and families and, and, and emotions. And cast out the demons. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 tells us, When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive our adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. There's closeness and family relationship because Jesus came. God wants that. He wants that closeness. And when Jesus came, if you're in Mark chapter 1, you'll see Mark 1, 14 to 15. What does he do when he begins his ministry? He proclaims the gospel of God. This is his ministry. He says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as you know, or I hope you do if you don't, I want to tell you this morning. Jesus came for you. He came to pay for your sins and for mine. And when he was deserted by everyone else, I just read this in my Bible reading yesterday, Jesus was deserted by even his closest followers, Mark 14 and 15. He was beaten and abused by a whole a legion of Roman soldiers. He was unjustly condemned. And even on the cross, at the very last moment, before he took his last breath, he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And that, that hit me different than all the times I've read it before. Because I see this progression. He's abandoned by the crowds. He's abandoned by his disciples. He's abandoned by his inner three and denied by Peter. The justice system abandons him and leaves him alone. And when everyone else has left him, now even the father turns his face away. Because of the judgment of his wrath on our sin. Our sin. Jesus did that for us. He was isolated and broken and judged so we could be healed. It's the best news that you could ever share with somebody. It's the best news I've ever heard. And it's changed my life. Because Jesus proclaimed the gospel and, and was the gospel in his flesh. So my story is that I was born like Jesus' disciples, a sinner, fearful, proud, thinking, I'll, I'll never deny you, Jesus. You know, or I'm a good person. I, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I'm, I'm a good person. I got this. 
So it was really easy for me to put on a mask and act religious. And I can I can do good things. I'm a good person. Not realizing that Jesus had to die because my sins were that bad. That judgment was coming. And so the day came where God opened my eyes and I saw his love for me through Jesus. And I repented of my sins, which means I turned from my sins. I said, I don't want that life anymore. Jesus, I want you. I need you. And I gave him my life. Do you have a story like that? Where there was a time where you were lost in a sea of, of spiritual darkness. And Jesus came by. And you got in the boat. We weren't born in the boat. Jesus rescued us. So if you're here this morning, you say, well, I grew up a Christian, kind of always been a Christian. I'm sorry. No, you have not. Because then that's acting like sin isn't a big deal and Jesus didn't need to die and you don't need saving from anything because you're already a good person. It's not what the Bible says. We need complete, total transformation in our lives. And when we put our faith in Jesus, he saves us and makes us new and now he commissions us to go out and reach people. So get this. When Jesus rose from the dead, he teaches his disciples about the kingdom for 40 days. Then he ascends up to heaven to take the throne. He's at the Father's right hand. So the most prominent position in everything is God overall. Jesus is God in the flesh, reigning and in, 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 uh, interceding for us. And then he tells his disciples, now you go and continue on my ministry. God chooses to share the gospel through his children. Jesus brings the gospel and we continue to carry it out as God continues to work in us and we see his working in others. I can't understand it. God, literally, you could use one of these chairs to share the gospel, right? Jesus said, the rocks, the rocks could cry out if no one else did. But he chose to use me. And if you are in Christ, he has chosen to use you to reach the nations for the gospel. When we receive Christ in an authentic relationship, we can then authentically go to people and say, God loves you too. This is good news for you as well. Don't you want to receive him? Jesus said in John 20, verse 21, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Now go and evangelize. To evangelize means to proclaim the gospel, the good news. So that's not to go and just give people a bunch of self-help and therapy and you know try to try to fix up the hurting and and just you know keep them going on their way. No, this is a rescue operation. This is life or death. This is you either accept the good news or you reject the good news. And I am not the standard bearer of truth here. I'm holding the standard of truth. And I'm just declaring it to you. I'm proclaiming it to you. This is what the Lord of all says. And God will move heaven and earth to reach the lost. He has. But he uses the church to, to share the gospel with them. Here's an interesting thing. I've, I've heard these stories from the Middle East. People who are in closed countries don't know Jesus, don't have access to a local church like we do. If churches are gathering, they're underground and hidden and, and trying to uh, not raise attention to themselves. And you hear these hardcore, dedicated Muslims 
And they have these dreams or visions where Jesus appears to them. And he speaks to them. And he says, I am real. I want you to come and know me. It's incredible stories. But here's what's interesting. Just having a dream or seeing a vision doesn't save anyone. God leads them to believers who share the gospel with them. Isn't that amazing? God could save them with a vision if he wanted to. That's almost what he did with Paul, right? On the road to Damascus. And yet, he still sent Ananias to lay hands on him and restore his sight. Church, God wants to use us to reach the nations. We are his chosen people. We are his vessel. We are a light to the Gentiles, to the unbelievers. And so if Living Hope Church is to be a good church, a healthy church, and I pray that we will be, then we need to be a center for the gospel. Every worship service, the gospel needs to be front and center. Jesus takes center stage. It's not about us. Our children's ministry, we're teaching little ones about God and how to have a relationship with Him and what He wants from us from the Word. When we have people greeting at the front door, we're welcoming people with gospel hospitality. You're a stranger. I don't know you, but God loves you. Come on in. We got some good news for you. Here's some coffee, right? Here's, here's some gifts, okay? Because we love you. We just, we, we just care. We want you to know how much God cares. You're going to love it. Everyone has a role in the church pointing people to Jesus and not just during the worship service. So let's look at how do we proclaim the gospel? And I, I forgot to grab a handout. Am I, have I missed any blanks? Okay. All right. I based it off my notes, so I shouldn't be missing anything. But if I do, just, you know, or, or flag them down afterwards, I'll make sure we get it. So here's how we proclaim the gospel. If we must do it, then how do we do it? And do it well. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus uses this analogy. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and... Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We want to do everything we can to share the gospel in a way that puts the spotlight on Jesus. He's already the most glorious one. It's not very hard to do. He can even use broken lampstands like us. But we make sure that we're not shining on ourselves. We're casting light onto the subject above all subjects. Chase Bowers, a theologian, said this, Local churches are signposts pointing the way to Christ's kingdom. We're embassies of heaven on earthly soil. And as we gather for worship, for teaching, for the Lord's Supper that we're going to take in a moment here together, and, and when we scatter for global witness, let's remember the goal of missions is the worship of God. And worship drives us to establish more faithful churches of disciple-making peoples among all the peoples. We're not satisfied with where we are because there's so many more who need to worship Jesus like we do. So we open up our lives to share him together. It's such a powerful thing to see the body come together. Jesus said, people will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. How can people see us love one another if we're not together with one another? 
And when we take the Lord's Supper, we say, this is his blood shed for, shed for us. This is my testimony. This is his body broken for us. This is my testimony. We sing and declare the praises of God. So whether we're singing songs, whether we're teaching the word, whether we're serving one another or, or sharing a cup of coffee before or afterwards, or we're setting up or tearing down, everything we do is an opportunity to glorify God and show the good news of Jesus with our life and with our words. I envision this church being a place for the next generation to see how much God cares for them. No more cultural Christianity. Well, my parents told me this is the way to live. Although, if you are followers of Jesus, please do tell your children and grandchildren how to walk according to Jesus. But no longer is that, or no, that was never the way to salvation. It was come to Jesus and live for yourself. So, and I just, I kind of put it all in one line there, and I'm going to go through this in, in rapid fire. How do we proclaim the gospel? First of all, let's stay faithful to the truth. The gospel was a gift to us. You and I don't get to set parameters on either the power of the gospel or the method of the gospel, or not the, the, um, the, uh, the content of the gospel. So some Christians think, well, it's not my place to judge. You know, I, Maybe there are multiple ways to heaven. We're kind of talking about this earlier. Some churches go that route. They think, oh, well, we're not going to judge people. Yeah, because we're not the judges. But there is a judge, and his name is Jesus, and he has passed judgment on our sin, and he has died for our sin because it's a big deal. And he says, whoever does not put your faith in me will perish. So it's not my word. But it is Jesus' word. That's what he meant in Matthew 16, where he says, I'm giving you the keys to heaven and hell. He's not setting Peter up as, as this Pope guy. Okay? That's what some interpret it to me. What he's saying is, the gospel confession you just made, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's like, I'm going to trust those keys to you. You steward that message well, because heaven and hell depend on it. If we mess this up and we say, oh, maybe the gospel's not such a big deal. Let's just try to live moral, upright lives. We are shepherding people to hell. We're not a church. We're false prophets. If that's the route we go, we have to stay faithful to the truth. We say the whole truth. People will reject us. But in those moments, remember, they rejected Jesus too. So you're still identifying with the Savior. You're still a Christ follower even if the gospel seeds you're sowing are rejected. So we will continue to share the gospel seed. We will preach the gospel in season and out of season. Some people will receive the news gladly and get saved right on the spot. Has anyone ever had that happen before? It's, it's not often. But you find people that God's been preparing over months, years, or a week of, of teen camp, and your first conversation, they're ready to jump in the boat. I want to give my life to Jesus. Wonderful. Praise God for that. Because you and I had nothing to do with that. But in many cases, it takes multiple, multiple, multiple sowings. And during that time, we continue to let our light shine in an open way so they can see a genuine love for Jesus. And God's genuine love for them. So the good news that we're sharing is not some sales pitch or Ponzi scheme. It's true. It's real. Can I trust you? Can I know you're real? 
that's really the point of, of the outreach on Saturday. We want Canaan Elementary to know the real love of God. And we are real people who love them and care for them. You can trust us. Oh, by the way, we would love to share why we do this. Can we pray for you? Sow those seeds. On Sunday afternoon, September 25th, Lord willing, at a beach near you, we're going to have a baptismal celebration. For some who have recently put their faith in Jesus Christ or have never followed the second half of Jesus' command to repent and be baptized, they're ready to do that. Baptism is a necessary and powerful witness to the world that I am in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is my God. World, take notice that Jesus has brought me from death to life. Baptism is a powerful, powerful symbol. The Lord's Supper is a powerful symbol. We continue to advance the gospel as we obey the Lord. We also care for our community, and that's why on your, on your handouts, I specifically made space so that you could write down who's the one person you're trying to reach for Jesus right now. It's convicting, right? You want that one. You know, maybe maybe it was someone and, and now you know they rejected it or just it hasn't worked out or they moved away. So who's the next one that you need to pray about pursuing with the gospel? And then write down five to ten people that might then become a one. So you're you're intentionally doing life with them, inviting them over for a meal, getting coffee with them. You go to the same restaurants or, or stores so you can see that person over and over and continue to build a testimony with them and share the love of Christ with them. Maybe it is your next door neighbor, your neighbor four doors down, you know, that you're, you're trying to build a relationship with. God will work as we genuinely care for others and build bridges with them. And then we need to trust God with the results. It can be frustrating. That's why a lot of people don't do evangelism. I just get rejected all the time. What's the point? The point is that we'll be obedient to our Savior and we'll become more like Jesus. We can identify with him when we're rejected. And at some point, the seeds that you sow will bear fruit. God promises that. You might not see it. How many of us have heard testimonies of, at funerals or after someone has moved away or, or a, a sibling you've been sharing the gospel with for years, they go off to college and someone reaches them for Christ at, at their college. You can't predict when that seed will sprout. So trust the results to God. Be faithful to preach the gospel. And then as a church, here's the final step. We want to multiply ourselves. Because Living Hope Church is not going to be the last church to reach everyone for Christ. We're not. Until Jesus comes back, we've got to plant more churches. There's more neighborhoods that need Jesus. There are people who, who speak languages and have cultural, cultural customs that this church will not be able to reach. And geographically, we will not be able to reach. So how will we reach them for the gospel? We partner with like-minded churches to plant more churches, to make disciples. Or if you lead someone to Christ who doesn't live in this area and you're looking for that church to refer them to, we multiply ourselves. Lord willing, in the next month, we're going to do that with our small group. That's, that's the next step. We're getting pretty full. As we see some more coming and join the fold, Pastor Dennis and I are praying about potentially starting that second group. We keep them small, so we make disciples, and we reach more neighbors for Christ. We can do that when there are more of us. So we multiply. How are you multiplying yourself and your family and your resources? Are you giving to the Lord? 
So he will take those few loaves and fishes and multiply them. How are we investing our time? How are we as a church thinking missionally rather than, well, let's just get more people in the doors. How can we send people out to reach people for Christ? See the difference? We're thinking about others. As I wrap up here, I hope we're all examining our heart to see. Well, first of all, has your story ever connected with God's story? Is the gospel just this big truth you have in your head somewhere? Has it made its way to your heart? You can say, there was a time where I turned from my sin and I got in the boat. I accepted Jesus' invitation. Praise God for that. If you haven't, we need to talk today. And we need to talk to Jesus and he'll rescue you today. And if that is you, and you have put your faith in Jesus and he has rescued you, then as we go out today, we need to pray as we reflect on the Lord's Supper and we, we enter into that time of celebration together. God, don't let us be selfish with the good news you've given us. We pray that you'll open doors to new people we can share Christ with today. We plan to spend time with them. We actually use our words to share the gospel with them, not just beat around the bush, which that might be a hard one for me, I'll, I'll admit. Um, I'm really good at jumping into a conversation, and, but then actually see it through. Share the whole gospel. I need to grow in that area. Uh, and, and I'm sure some of you do as well. And next week, we'll look at the, the function and the process of discipleship in the church. And, and don't think that a church can be uh, discipleship-focused and not evangelism-focused. It's two sides of the same coin. Jesus called us to follow him and to make fishers of men. Church, do we care about the lost? What are we going to do about it this week to make a difference in our community for Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that this good news you've given us, we can steward and love and enjoy and grow in. But God, it's, it's too good to keep to ourselves. It's hard to even find one passage of scripture that that is the end all on evangelism because the whole scripture declares your glory. The heavens declare your glory and even use us to declare your glory. God, it's a way of life. But we're only going to live that way as you change our hearts to be soft towards outsiders. To love them, pursue them, and see our purposes for glorifying you by making disciples. And Lord, you convicted me in times where I've failed to be obedient or I've chickened out or or I, I've been busy and I haven't made the time. We've all been there. God, and I thank you for your grace that it's not a one and done deal. It's a journey and a process. So I pray you'll make us more like you. Jesus, give us boldness. Give us a heart for the lost. Move our, our watches and our wallets and our, and our resources and our families to meet hurting people where they are and help them find the truth. Pray that Living Hope Church will reach more people for Christ this year in our launch. God, that people who would not have been reached otherwise, and that's your plan. And I pray we'll partner with other churches, and we will pray, and we will send, and we will multiply, so the kingdom would be great. Not our church, Lord. Your kingdom would be great. We love you. That's in your name we pray and ask all this. In Jesus' name, amen.